go through their agenda, customer loyalty should be the last one because customer loyalty is what drives the rest. But the bottom line is your best friend is always the CFO. And if you don't get the CFO on board, forget it. And you need to be able to talk to the CFO like a CFO wants to hear things. And if you yeah. can walk into a, into a boardroom and start making decisions on what people know, not what people think, that, that unlocks the whole thing. Hi, I'm Ian Pringle, and this is the Loyalty Podcast from New World Loyalty. We help you make the most of your loyalty strategies by listening to us talk about what we like to talk about most, which is loyalty and loyalty programs. In this episode, we'll explore how those running loyalty programs can ensure that loyalty has a place in boardroom discussions. To help me with this, I'm joined by two experts who have fought and won these battles and have the war stories to prove it. So please, could I welcome Alan Lyons from Brighton. Hi, Alan. Ian, good evening. And Adam Posner from Melbourne. Hi, that. Hi, Adam. Hi, Alan. Ian. <laughs> Hi, Adam. Hi, everyone. <laughs> Hi, everyone. Hopefully it'll, hopefully it'll be more than just us that get to hear this. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So before, so to get us started tonight, can we get, each give just a brief introduction to yourself and your experience of raising the profile loyalty within your organisation? So, um, Alan, uh, I know you've got a lot, plenty to say about this. So do you want to go first on this one? Yeah, I mean, I think, hello, everybody. I'm Alan Lias. I've been working, I guess, in loyalty for the last 20 years. And before that, I, I guess I had a more general commercial career, originally starting in marketing at Marine Express. And I moved through uh, various roles in Marine Express, um, ended up in the energy business, ended up starting a business, but then ended up at Virgin Atlantic, employed to head up loyalty. And I didn't have a loyalty background. And I suppose one of the reasons I got employed in the first place, apart from being an old chum of the marketing director, is probably 98% of it, is um, the view was actually, so I was sort of halfway to getting to where, I think where loyalty has got to many organizations, certainly where it should be. I was employed because I had a commercial background rather than because I was a marketing or data or loyalty specialist. And the goal was to commercialize loyalty, but nobody really understood what that meant, other than there could be a lot more going on. And of course, if you looked around the world, particularly in the US at that time, it was pretty public domain that loyalty programs were starting to actually act as businesses and become successful as a result. So I was lucky. But nevertheless, it probably took 10 years to move flying club from part of the marketing department with its with without a separate PL. it took about 10 years to turn it into a proper business and that journey the reason it, it i guess it took so long is because actually at the beginning it didn't really make a lot of difference flying club was a relatively small program it had a few members it didn't contribute hugely to the airline it didn't really have a partner base so it wasn't obvious that additional cash flows were coming in and it just wasn't run particularly commercially and one of the things about loyalty, as we all know, especially if it's points-based, there's a lot of fear uh, around what does it all mean? Oh, dear. If I issue a point, I defer revenue, and that scares people. It doesn't affect cash flow, as everybody knows, but it does affect profit. And so there's a, quite a lot of complexity around loyalty at every level. You know, you're trying to make loyalty simple for the customer, but actually you're also trying to make it simple for, for the organisation to understand. And, 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 you know, Ian, you've worked in airlines you understand this probably the hardest people to make a business case to uh, about uh, investing in loyalty are airline executives because most airline executives have worked at airlines for many many years get free flights <laughs> right so they don't understand why points are important and they certainly don't understand the, what the value is to the core uh, instead it's the perception is oh, well actually we're giving stuff away aren't we quite cheaply um, or i'll give away a little bit and breakage is a good thing not a bad thing yeah so educating 
organizations into breakages about well high breakage is a bad thing a little bit of breakage is fine but sort of starting starting that road that's why i guess i suppose the main lesson learned i was commercial when i got there but I had to be super commercial by the time we effectively made fly club a separate business unit with its own separate PL. you almost have to be more commercial than the rest of the business because it's a bit more nebula what you're actually talking about loyalty is a um you know it's, it's easier to knock it down for example um oh look we our yields are higher um from our loyalty members than our non-loyalty members well that's because they're loyal right but but i guess what you're saying is are you saying therefore that from your experience you're you were better off to to raise the profile within the boardroom as lo- running loyalty as a fiefdom or running loyalty as from the from within the organization so would you go were you going to the board reporting as a as a separate as almost like a separate entity of loyalty or were you saying actually you wanted to them to help you run the business yeah good question i mean to start with i didn't know what the right path was um and the right path is to run it as a separate business with a separate uh management structure and with the ability to make business decisions that are able to grow the business itself as a business rather than being treated as non-core and therefore always not really getting the investment you needed and but that's a long old process and is that because within a frequent flyer program it's just so complicated that that the airline executives are unlikely to get it make to make the big calls if they're in if they're sort of in the in the wheelhouse you're sort of going to them as being actually i'm going to understand it i'm going to go to you to make the really big decisions but actually, and that's how I'm going to raise the profile of it within the board. That not, I don't want the board sort of sitting, making the big decisions where I should be doing that because I really understand the ins and outs of PL. Correct. I mean, I think. Yeah. I mean, by creating a separate structure, a separate PL, separate organisation to some extent, albeit it does borrow a lot from the core organisation, and making the chief exec and maybe the CFO effectively members of the board of the loyalty business, but having the loyalty business reporting into the top table is the sweet spot in two regards one it actually means if you do it right that the loyalty business can can actually fulfill its core function which is to drive the performance of the of the core and b it can in the case of airlines in particular but it's also possible in other uh, with other verticals to actually make the, the loyalty business itself profitable in its own right and to do all that and to move at the pace that you need to move in a consumer services business rather than an airline, uh, it's, it's, it's pretty challenging. So creating your own PL with your own investment structure and therefore, you know, and a long-term business plan and delivering against that is ultimately what you need to do. But to even get the airline to be thinking, we're going to man up, we're going to create, if you like, duplicate structures to some extent, um, you have to make the argument that it is better served, focused on loyalty rather than borrow beg stealing borrowing leadership or senior management other yeah. systems operations and that over time it does take time and it, it will you will get there and i think if you were starting that journey today certainly in the airline sector that's a very rapid journey i think most senior most airline executives get it now you know they understand how valuable loyalty programs are they see what market cap improvement that a loyalty program go, can delivers they see the multiples that loyalty programs trade out so i think in non-airline so if you're in banking or retail there's a lot of lessons that can be learned and transferred from that to speed up that process but it's not necessarily always best that 
a program is completely separate and treated as a separate business because it may not be viable in that regard. Yeah, it's, it's, it's funny what you said, because my experience certainly with retailers is the complete opposite, but we'll come on to that in a bit. So, yeah. I mean, as Adam, do you, how, how do you feel about that discussion? So, Yeah, well, my uh, hi, everyone. I'm Adam Posner. I'm, I'm CN founder of The Point of Loyalty here in Melbourne, a consultancy business helping brands uh, with their loyalty and loyalty assets. Um, yeah, I don't have any airline experience, so I'm going to speak from a non-airline point of view in terms of how to get loyalty and loyalty programs onto the boardroom agenda. And it's just interesting that Alan said something about a loyalty business versus loyalty as a business. And uh, I'm getting, you know, more and more uh, education into businesses that loyalty and loyalty program must be seen as its own business, but not as a business. And what I mean by that is thinking structurally and financially that the program needs to produce, um, you know, positive ROI, positive return on investment and run as a business, even though it's most probably a function in, in non-airline. In non so loyalty programs are often initiated by marketing, which is, you know, most probably why we struggle to get boardroom attention because it's a marketing initiative, rather than, uh, you know, the boardroom initiating, we need loyalty, we need, you know, we need customers to be loyal. And, you know, they're part of our, uh, our bread and butter. I mean, customers are our revenue, customers are, you know, what drives our business. So loyalty and loyalty programs need to be thought of and, and, and planned out with their own P&L, even though they're not a separate business. I think if I could take what both of you said there, loyalty needs to be in trusted hands of people who know what they're doing so that they can make the right calls to get the right things out. But actually, in my experience, what, what do you need to bring, therefore, to your... The, the, therefore, the board need to give you the freedom to go and do what you need to do to run the business. But at the same time, what we need to bring back to them is what are the really key things that we can see about the business that can really help them out? You know, what do we know about customers? What do we know about the products they're buying? Because I always think... Loyalty has all the data and, and has access to customers, has access to communication channels. I think where we have a responsibility to the boardroom is to bring back our stories and to, and to, to show them where we think that, that the business can do better because we can spot those things because we have the data and have customers have a channel. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. But, uh, you know, it absolutely makes sense. And if customers are driving your revenue and you're driving loyalty through a program, and we, let's talk specifically, we're talking about loyalty programs now. Um, you know, a, formal, a formalized structure with recognition and reward that you're investing in to drive the outcomes, to get the data, to change the behaviors, you know, to get the insights and so on, then absolutely, I don't, you know, I, I always say to CEOs is when you're presenting to the board and you're talking about your business, what do you talk about? You talk about profitability and cash flow. You talk about people. You talk about product and innovation. You talk about legal and compliance. You talk about market conditions. You should be talking about customer loyalty. It yeah, should yeah. be one of the items of, you know, when you, we, I've been in boardrooms and they go through their agenda. Customer loyalty should be the last one because customer loyalty is what drives the rest. Yeah, but they don't, but they don't need to know the engineering of customer loyalty. No, they I'm not talking the about out, the engineering. Yeah, I totally I'm talking agree. about the I outcome. And in fact, that's what I jotted down here. I think, you know, we consult with lots of companies all the time. In the last sort of year, two years, I've worked with two companies, one that gets loyalty at a boardroom level and one that doesn't get loyalty at the boardroom level. And the ones that really get it, uh, the, there's a proven value to loyalty. So they're, they're not questioning whether they should have it or not. There's, there's a focused, engaged and non knowledgeable steer co 
within the organization that the board trusts. They said, I, I've got these guys who have eyes on it and know, understand it. And yeah. then there's what my old MD used to consider as the warehouse of goodwill. <laughs> Does everyone know what I mean? <laughs> and Alan, I know you, you, have, you have built your career on having the, a warehouse of goodwill, <laughs> which is sort of, trust me, I, I, I don't screw up. I'm all right. You can, I can get on with it. And if you've got those things, then you've got the result. You've got the sort of means to go ahead to then come back with the court sort of, remember what I used to call the news at 10 bongs. You know, you can come back and say, loyalty can give you this. I, I could know this about customers. I know this about customers. This is what you need to. And I think that's the way you can raise the level of discussion by coming back with things that impact them and their business, their understanding of the business. And then if I flip it around to companies that I've dealt with who don't have that, it's because there's either a confused proposition where loyalty sits in many different places. There's a distant management team and, th and therefore the teams therefore end up just reporting to the management team by saying what well, everyone else is doing. Because all they say is the management team phone them up and says, I've just seen our co competition launch this. I've seen my competition launch that. What are you doing? And all you can go back to them is tell them what they're doing, not what you're doing, because you're not being trusted to do the good things. Does that make sense? Absolutely. I think, you know, as well, I mean, in terms of the, the point Adam made about these things originating marketing and you know, these days, you know, marketeers understand ROI. I mean, that's, as we know, direct marketing has developed into sophisticated digital marketing. But the bottom line is your best friend is always the CFO. And if you don't get the CFO on board, forget it. And you need to be able to talk to the CFO like a CFO wants to hear things. And so, you know, you need people that are used to, and ideally people that have already run businesses that will at least understand the processes and the governance structures of how to run a business, but your CFO, because ultimately even your CF, your CEO is going to talk to your CFO and CFOs are super skeptical about things like loyalty. He can burn um, down a warehouse. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, there, there you go. I, I love your point about CFO, and it's interesting talking, uh, Ian, you said, you know, the successes you've had and the failures you've had in terms of uh, getting into the boardroom. In, in, for me, when I've had success is when I've had an initial workshop with everyone, uh, every key person across the business uh, section. So I've had a finance person, I've had a merchandise, I've had a product, I've had a marketing, I've had uh, the CEO, and so finance meaning CFO. So when I've had them all in the room in the initial workshop session um it's just been a powerful process and a platform for success and i've seen it time and time again when that happens i'm on my way because in the initial meeting when the cf is though and he's a skeptic and we've got everyone else in the room we deal with it everyone face to face um and or create the actions to overcome the skepticism so uh, i couldn't agree with you more about getting the cfo right in the early days in that initial workshop session that's one of the key success factors that i've found um, on, the, on the flip side, as, as Ian mentioned, when I don't have a CEO or CFO attend that workshop, uh, I've had failure uh, because it's been too much of a push uphill, you know, just too much justification, not a, enough warehouse of, of uh, what did you call goodwill uh, initiated. And uh, that's when it's, the program has just not got off the ground. So I've had both. Uh, and that, that's when I've seen success. And so moving on from that, where, why should the board really care about loyalty? Why should they care? Why, well, what do we think we should bring to them that makes their life easier? Well, I think, uh, first of all, clarity on why. Why do they have a program in the first place? So real clarity on why and, and everyone agreeing aligned on the why. 
And the why could be, as you say, the data, the insights, the incremental revenue gain. You know, what, what revenue, you know, obviously, if it's all about profit and profitability and revenue gain, that's fundamental, absolutely. But there's other benefits, as Ian, as you've mentioned. It's the data, the insights um, that drive, you know, other decisions within the business. So you've just got to be everyone aligned on why a program. Why in the first place are you going to invest in one for what return? Um, and if we get clarity on why, then we can always go back to that why uh, when times are tough. Mm. I can see you nodding your head as well, Anne. Would you agree? Yeah, absolutely. I think um, good, good old-fashioned investment case development and demonstration of ROI um, and demonstrating, as we already said, commercial credibility. So you can have the, the right kind of conversations in the right kind of language. How, funny enough, though, you know, I haven't experienced this, but I've seen this in other clients. Often loyalty, often loyalty are part of marketing and somebody upstairs thinks we should be getting more out of loyalty. They hear that loyalty is becoming a significant asset in terms of driving core business or in the case of some verticals like airlines and hotels, businesses in their own right, they're actually very valuable. It's if the person is slightly maybe gets in the way is the marketing director um or the cmo because ultimately it's usually part of the cmo a marketing director's responsibility marketing directors aren't necessarily that commercial i mean they are but they're not there's some complicated structures within loyalty businesses unfortunately because of the way the accounting works and so it's not very sexy and it's quite complicated and if you are trying to elevate loyalty to report for example as, as ian says into a into a board or into a steer co that has board rep members on it, you've got to persuade your marketing director that the best thing that person can do for them is to embrace this and, and let it go to some extent. Because, and I've seen it getting stuck for years in loyalty programs, and I've seen marketing directors hanging on and then getting in the way of the, if you like, the elevation of loyalty into, into, that, into that senior sort of realm. And also I've seen some marketing directors deciding to become effectively directors of loyalty um, because they get it and some obviously not and leaving. So marketing directors are funny ones. Um, yeah, I, I agree. I've seen it certainly when you have an, uh, an arm's length organization managing your loyalty program and the, then it's, it becomes a real, either a, a strength or a blocker to things if you because obviously most brands hold on to their marketing and so it then becomes that has to be a synergy that works otherwise it can be a bit of a problem i mean the technique i've learned or i've applied a couple of times and advised them a couple of times is the minute you commercialize loyalty the minute that there's money coming in it could be partners it could be subscriptions whatever the minute you generate cash you are you're not no, you're no longer the coloring in department if you're marketing right you're no longer just spending money. Yes, of course, it's ROI, anything you do. You're actually a cash generator. And that sort of changes the relationship a little bit between the organization. And the way, and the way you do that, and then the way you leverage that, you know, with, and say you've got a difficult marketing director or not, the best way to leverage that back to our friends in finance. And that might not be the CFO at that point. But because you've suddenly now got, you're not just doing your annual budgets and how much marketing spend can I have and off we go. Here's the plan, here's the campaigns. Now I've got a revenue stream that needs to be accounted for. So you, you immediately change the relationship between the organization and marketing. And by involving, in this case, finance and, and potentially procurement, if you're getting involved with partnerships and 
other parts of the business that aren't necessarily directly involved with marketing, you start to develop effectively by osmosis a different kind of relationship with the organization. And if you navigate that effectively, it's a slow burn approach, you know, it's, it's, but, but it's probably the most sensible. It's not like somebody's suddenly going to go, right, we love loyalty. We're going to create a chief executive loyalty, reporting into the board, off you go, here's a load of money, build a business. That's not going to happen. But you, but you almost get to the point, if you've got finance going, look, we like this, we want more of it. And finance, the CFO gets to hear about it. CFO then says to the commercial director, whoever's in charge of the marketing, if the marketing's there or marketing reports into the CCO, we want more of this. Suddenly the whole relationship starts to change and through, I guess, as I said, through osmosis, through organic development. So I, I, and if I knew, I, it sort of happened by accident with when, when I was doing it at Virgin Atlantic, but it's a course, it's a proactive course that should be taken, I think. And I've seen it work in other places similar where, where if you've, as long as we've got that foundation, the, the, the warehouse, whatever you want to call it, is, is there, then I think the way you can kick on in retailers is by then going on to focusing on the big issues. So it's saying, assuming you think loyalty is running professionally and we're, we're good, it's then saying, right, what are the big issues in the organization? How can we use loyalty to solve them? Because that's when you, and, and what I've seen recently with retailers is, um, is when they're coming off the back of COVID, there's big issues in all retailers now. And if we can help loyalty, that's when you really raise the profile because they see you as not, not a problem or a worry. It's then saying, actually, you're an asset that can help me and the organization solve our big problems. And I've, I've certainly seen that. You're nodding your head as well, Adam, there. Uh, yeah, I agree. I mean, you know, I always ask uh, in my initial interviews, because I do these one-on-one interviews before programs start, and I do get a chance to talk to the CEO for each individually. And one of the questions is, what problem are we solving with this program? And then when we actually all align what problem we're solving, uh, you know, that, as you know, with anything in business, if you can solve a problem um, through a strategy, and let's say a program is a strategy, you've got greater uh, chance for impetus and success. So you're right about that. But the other little tip that I'd share with you and the, the audience is, when I'm doing my initial interviews to try and understand where, where loyalty is a priority for the businesses, is in, in terms of funding and finance, is I'll ask this question is, do you want the program to be self-funded or supplier funded? Mm. Especially in a certain kinds of retail categories. And that's one straight answer. It gives me a real perspective of where they want to invest for the return. Because as, as Alan said, if we're going to get it supplier funded and other revenue because we've got a base of a million members or 5 million, and we go to our 1,700 suppliers and say, we've got a communication base and you, know, you need to pay to, to play with it. Um, so supplier funding is a revenue source. It helps fund the program, right? So when you ask that simple question, self-funded, supplier funded, and in, in, in the specific category, you get a real insight as to the future and success of the program. Um, so we talked about uh, how to raise the profile. So we said, you know, getting the CFO on board, getting the CMO on board. We talked about the big, the big issues. Um, we talked about revenue. Um, are there any other things that, you know, what any other things we'd say about how, tips to raise the profile yeah i've got a couple is um and maybe it's because it's been initiated by two of my clients is 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 a roadshow on education so i work mm. with a hotel franchise group and they took me around the whole of australia to all of their franchise uh, franchisees and it, we did a roadshow on loyal on, on loyalty programs um you know it was in essence you know the successes and the failures being really brutal and practical but educating everyone in the different groups around the around the country and that whole process lifted 
everybody's education, knowledge, you know, and belief in the program. So, you know, that, you know, you've got to, you've got to put time and effort and money into continuous education um, as per that example. And, and then yes, you know, presenting at conferences for, you know, I've got just a couple coming up where, you know, they're getting all of their team together in their annual planning session and there's a presentation on loyalty and loyalty programs. So again, that's how you continuously show the importance and, and the, um, the power of a program. I think another one I'd add, and perhaps selfishly, I'd, but if, I hope you agree, is also to get external help. There's been several instances in the last few years where I've worked with people who have a, a very, very good program that works very well, but perhaps the, the um, senior management team either don't know why it's there or don't understand it in the detail they need to. And to have external help to come in, to look at it, and then to, and then to give them the, the, the strength of conviction to know that it's working well, again, then frees this department up to go and kick on to do great things. Um, and I, I, know, I know we're a consultant, this, I know this is our business, but I've genuinely seen it work well because it gives the, and, and you know, obviously this is the reason why people turn to people like Oliver Wyman or, you know, spend a load of money with, with the big consultancies is because often you have to spend the money to get the trust. <laughs> Absolutely. But, so what are the two pieces of advice to give to people going forward? So if you're sitting running a company, what are the two things you say? Do on Monday morning. If you want to get on the boardroom, these are two things that, that, that you can do now that would really help you get there. What would you say, Alan? I think just be absolutely sort of hard-nosed, rational and business-like about what you're doing. Be really, really, really focused on what we've all said, which is why are we doing this? What value is it generating? And demonstrate that in terms of a suite of KPIs and ideally some sort of, you know, P&L that, that focuses on that. And then secondly, depending on what kind of company it is, make sure just get under the skin of how the organization at a sort of very strategic level, a corporate level values itself. So, I mean, maybe not corporate responsibility, but for example, you know, share price, share price moves based on NPS, you know, in theory, our loyalty members, I think in my experience anyway, quite a lot of loyalty programs, loyalty members love the company that they are engaging with via the loyalty program and give it a much higher rating probably than the loyalty program itself. Funny enough, it can vary. It can go the other way around. Um, but I think that, so it's not just about the hard numbers, which I'm suggesting. It's also about understanding what else the organization is trying to achieve. What's, how do you develop long-term value in the organization? And NPS is a great one because yeah, I mean, everybody should have that metric, but actually if, as you'll usually find, if your members or your more engaged customers treat you uh, higher, more, uh, with higher regard to than the non, that's not just about, oh, look, they spend a few more quid and make a few more profit. That is material to the overall enterprise value, which in itself raises, you know, if you're having these kind of conversations, it's a completely different kind of conversation than, than you normally would have, say, if you're a marketeer in an organization. And it's really sort of differentiating your, the, the organization as a loyalty, as a commercial function, rather than a cross-business commercial function with multi-touch points, rather than a you know, specific discipline. No, perfect. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree with everything that Alan has said. I mean, you know, be rational, be uh, financial, uh, absolutely no question. Remind them on the why we started the program in the first place. Keep reminding on why. Reporting. I mean, keep reporting simple because you don't want streams of spreadsheets and 
and trends and changes, but report to the simple KPIs um, that, that are material, as, as Alan said, um, and, and, and make a difference to the overall success of the business. But one that's really interesting that uh, I'd love your points of view on to finish off on is, can thinking about asking the, 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 the team or the board, what would you do if you didn't have a program? Yeah, yeah. yeah. If you took yes. it away, what would you do if you took it away? And then you see where, uh, you know, the importance of it uh, sits. Yeah. And um, selfishly, I've got three that I'll test past you. So I, where I, w- the ones I jotted down were, were think big, you know, think, think how, how, what, what's the problems the boardroom can have and what, how can I help them solve them and then have a plan. But the third one is use data. So many boardrooms, especially retailers are run on what I think, what people think, not what people know. And within loyalty, we've, we're blessed because we've got data. And if you yeah. can walk into a into a boardroom and start making decisions on what people know, not what people think, that, that unlocks the whole thing. Because then you're starting to, it's much less risk for investors because then you're less you're less dependent on personalities who have who have who shouts loudest, and also you're 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 much more, much more likely to make the right decisions based on data. So I would I would urge people that who work in loyalty who want to do this, is to get in there with data and get and use that because you're far more likely to win a debate and be invited to these debates. <laughs> Does that make sense? Absolutely. So on that, I'd like to say thank you very much to our guests tonight. So thank you very much, Adam Posner. Thank you very much. Thanks, Alan, Ian. And thanks so much, Alan Ives. Thank you very much, Adam and Ian. And thank you very much for listening. If you like this podcast, please like, share, or comment on LinkedIn using the hashtag The Lords Podcast. And we look forward to your company again soon. Thank you all and goodbye. <laughs>